0: So today, as we're you know walking through the uh, Book of Luke, um, do re- remind you. Uh, you'll see there's uh, hard copies of the um, just the daily devotions each day, taking a different passage of Luke, so that throughout the summer we'll read through the whole Book of Luke. You'll see see that out there, or just the, the cards, or in your bulletin, the website where those come up every um, day. Remind you to be. Um, just reading through those and our passage today is is one that we've been looking at uh, through um, over the course of this week um, and, and it really it will speak to how um, as Jesus followers sometimes um, we in the church uh, we can get in the way of Jesus instead of getting on board with what Jesus is, is doing. You know, it's like... Uh, Um, one one of the times Kathy, my wife and I, you know, we were loading and unloading the dishwasher at the same time, you know, trying to be efficient, you know? And so as I would take them out and she would put them in, but somewhere in there, I got lost and started putting dirty dishes back up, you know, into the cabinets and ended up causing double, triple work uh, that we were, I got more in the way. And more than helped. And I thought maybe that would get me kicked out of the kitchen, but it, it didn't work in that way either. But, you know, sometimes as, as Jesus followers, we can get in the way of what Jesus is doing. And that's what we'll see here with the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day who were opposing him in, instead of coming alongside and, in a sense, helping um, to do what he was doing. Um, so it's Luke chapter 13, starting with verse 10. It's on page 848 in your pew Bible. Let's, uh, um, let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we uh, ask now that your Holy Spirit would indeed um, enable us to hear from you because um, we don't want to be getting in the way. We, we want to be doing what you're calling us to do. So help us um, to hear from you. Help us to um, co- connect not only in our head but in our hands um, what you would have us to, um, to do and who you'd have us to be. Uh, help us to set aside the distractions and truly hear from you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Luke chapter 13, starting with verse 10. Now, he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is the yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so, so you see right here in this story, you know, Jesus was there teaching in the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were there. And, and a, a woman came who 18 years you know, had been overcome by this ailment. And, and Jesus in that moment heals her. And relieves her, frees her from that ailment. And the religious leaders of the day, they oppose Jesus. They're like, what What are you doing? You can't do that. We have rules to follow. You know, there are six days for that to happen. You know, not today. The Church can get in the way of Jesus sometimes. You know, we, we see that. We see it um, regularly um, uh, uh, in, in our history. A lot of times it's easier to see in our history than it is to see it in, in our current moment. You know, it's like at, at Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee, in the 60s, when there were good, upstanding Christian elders on the steps of the sanctuary telling African-Americans, you can't come here to church, but you can go down there. They, they, were, they had the rules that they thought were the rules that, that needed to, to, for the church to follow. But they were wrong. They got in the way of Jesus. There are some um, well-intentioned folks even. But just wrong. Just like if you open up your, your, your Bibles, um, I left the other one that, that had this. If you, if you see in some of the front pages of the Bibles out here, um, some people, um, when the Bibles first came out, made a, a stamp on, on the front of them. Let, let's see if uh, you might. Oh, yeah, here's one. And, uh, and it was pointed out within a week that these were put into the sanctuary that, uh, oops, we didn't mean to do this. But it says, property of CHPC do not remove. On the the Bible. Um, And and a number of Well intentioned. You know they planted that. Just so you know. You can ignore that. And if you need a Bible. Feel free. You know to to take um, that one. But it's, it's just ways. That we can fall into the habit. We can fall into the temptation. Of protecting the church. In Jesus' name, instead of risking the church in Jesus' name. And that's what was happening then. That's what was happening in Memphis. That was happening when we, you know, when somebody, you know, God bless them, oh, if it was any of you, you know, I'm not going to call you out, don't need to know, um, but stamped that there. Yeah, it's sweet. And in a time of, of fear and chaos, you know, it can be really easy to be protecting the church instead of risking the church in jesus name and, and we've got to be reminded and and what the the religious leaders in that day they just didn't remember you know, this was jesus mission remember that remember in luke chapter 4 where jesus tells us this is why i am here he's god in the flesh coming among us saying i am here the lord has anointed me and he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor you know, he has anointed me to bring release to the captives, to give sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the oppressed. And that's exactly what he was doing right in front of them. And the religious leaders were saying, no, not today. You could have done it yesterday or just, just wait another day. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, I, I can see myself falling into the Pharisees right there. Listen, you know, we got six days for doing this. You know What's one more day? It's been 18 years. Well, it's one more day. Let's just wait till tomorrow. But if we'd waited till tomorrow, we'd have missed the very point that Jesus was making as the religious leaders were getting in the way. And this is the key point from the passage and from the biblical message, especially from the prophets, that is then our corrective, or it's our help. It's, in a sense, the anecdote to getting in Jesus' way, at least in this situation. And that is that Jesus, in a worship setting, He's in the synagogue and He's teaching, He does not separate the physical and the spiritual. He refuses to separate the two. He refuses to say, well, you know, this is a spiritual gathering. We'll do that healing tomorrow. Or we'll make a schedule for it and do it. He does not separate those two. They are in the same vat together. They're all part of the recipe of what it means to be Jesus' people, the, the spiritual and the physical together. That, that's why his mission statement is, is not just spiritual. It, it's physical. It's physical. I mean, he brings sight to the blind, and he literally brings sight to the blind. He brings sight to all when they're spiritually blind, and he brings sight to those who are physically blind. They, it is, it's two wheels on the same bicycle. By definition, you can't choose which one's more important. You take one away, you no longer have a bicycle. Yeah, and that is what Jesus is doing here in this passage. I mean, if you notice, he he combines the two seamlessly. Here, the woman is; she's hunched over, and yet he says has a spirit of illness. And and later on it says, stand up, and she stands up, lays his hands on her physically, and says later to the pharisee when he's saying you know let's just let's do it another day says how in the world can you not celebrate the fact that what the, the the devil's been celebrating in totally oppressing her she now is being freed from in this very moment he ties together the spiritual and the physical refusing to separate them to tease them out And even says in in verse 16, And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from the bondage on the Sabbath day? When when he says, and ought not this woman, that's a really strong word. It's actually translated regularly. It is necessary for me to heal her on this day. It's like Jesus is saying, and actually you see another story where he does similar things, just another chapter or two away, where he says, no, I want to do it on this day. Because he, he wants to, to, to teach, to shock the, the, the religious leaders of the day because they're missing what God is doing in their midst. Somehow they've separated the spiritual and the physical. And Jesus is saying, no, they are all together. It's necessary to do this. Worship is not just ideas. It's not just trust. It's not just about beliefs. It is also action and healing and release in the blind receiving their sight. All of that is our life of worship. I mean, yes, we have worship services and we have service worship. But it's all unto God. We we cannot give higher value to service worship of evangelism and feeding the the hungry and clothing the naked. We cannot give higher value to that than we can to gathering in worship services of praise and prayer. And we cannot give higher value to worship services of prayer and praise than we can service worship of evangelism and feeding the poor and clothing the naked. Because Jesus doesn't. He doesn't make that distinction, and that distinction can get us in trouble if we make that difference. We we separate those. There is worship service and service worship, and there are two wheels on the one bicycle of walking with Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't making this up out of nowhere. This is not a new thought. This is common throughout the the, the prophets. Um, For those of you that are are note-takers... Um, You you see this um, Isaiah 58, you know, chapter 6. This is what Isaiah says. Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? You see how he's, he's, he's combined the spiritual and the physical. The fast, which is a spiritual discipline, it actually is also physical. But he's now saying, this is the fast that I choose that you do these works of his kingdom, you know, of bringing freedom. Of, bring, of release to the oppressed. Verse 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. That, 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 again, this is worship. Worship. Unto God. Is it not... Oh, wait a minute. I already read that. Then, verse 8, Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and He will say, Here I am. Sounds like worship, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, and... Isaiah refuses to separate the two, brings them together. As a matter of fact, he corrects the people then because it is such a natural tendency to try to separate the two. Amos does the same thing. Now, I, Isaiah was sort of nice in how he said it. Amos isn't. He he. he uh, He definitely did not grow up uh, where I grew up in the deep south, you know, where it's nice and quaint and everybody uses euphemisms to try to, um, you know, make make the edges a little less sharp. Here's what God said through Amos: I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offering of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters. And righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. There is no separation of the two. They are Again, two wheels on the same bicycle. Then James, chapter 1, verse 26. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their heart, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world—that's just a combo right there, isn't it? I mean, personal purity and acts of justice and, and mercy—that that right there is what James tells us is perfect um, religion. Now, I. I harp on this and bring these texts to, to bear, to say, you know, th- because this is such a, a, a tendency of the church throughout the ages is to separate the spiritual and the physical. You know, it's it, it's to, to see one as worship and maybe one as a result of worship. They're both worship. I mean, it's last week. We had Interfaith Hospitality Network. We had we started the week with three families um, here, who who the uh, um, uh, parents and children who find themselves homeless, and they were staying in, in the church building. And um, th- by the end of the week, there was only one family because two of the families found housing, found a place to stay and, and to live. And that's worship. That That is an, an act of God's kingdom, just as this is an act of God's kingdom. When, when we host the third Friday of every month, you know, um, uh, uh, foster uh, um, uh, teenagers who have aged out of the system. We're, we're caring for orphans in their distress. So the very literal thing, what James says, that's worship. It is service of worship instead of a worship. Service, but they're it is one and the same. And the warning from Jesus and from the Pharisees and Jesus' interaction with them today is that, so that we are sure we don't get in Jesus' way, we can't separate the two either. Even in, in the, soon after Jesus died, within the first hundred years of the church, there was something called the Gnostic heresy. And so Gnostic means knowledge. And and it was the early church, even then, uh, in that first hundred years, thought, you know, what is key is what is in your head, is what you believe, is what you know. And so if we can get everybody to know the right stuff, well then, really, what happens on this world really doesn't matter. And that was thrown out as uh, a heresy, but... You see the natural tendency to do that for the church early on. Part of it is, you know, if, if I'm doing well, you know, if life's going well, then I want to stay in my head when it comes to walking with Jesus because I just want to be get that peace, get that comfort, get that forgiveness, but I don't want to mess in with my life because things are going well, you know. So I, I want to keep him in my head. And if things are going terribly, and you know, if things are going south in a hurry, then, man, I want, I want to come here and I want to keep everything in my head too because then I can escape the evil that's around me. I want to live in my head then too. Whether it's going really well or terrible. You know, if I can just live in my head and separate the two, then the spiritual can give me that opiate and when things are... Going bad. So the, the, the point here is, is to recognize this is a both-and. It's not an either-or. And we can't give... That they, this is not to denigrate anything, but to lift up all of life as worship unto Jesus and that he refused to separate the physical and the spiritual. So, so what's our, our application? Well, one is just to, to be on, on alert um, for how Jesus, uh, the Spirit's going to bring things across your path this week. You know, as you're, as you're um, you know, reading your Bible, as you're spending time in prayer, Jesus might just interrupt you and say, I want you to go do your Bible right now. You can come back and read it later. Uh, or while you're doing your uh, good good work becomes a, an opportunity To engage with Jesus and to engage with another person um, uh, and to share with him the the words of Jesus. Uh, Just this morning. It's funny how... Um, the, the Spirit does this. Just this morning, you know, I get here around 6, 6.30 in the morning and just walk through the building and pray for the building, walk through here and pray through here and then go to office just to do get find things, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed. Um, and, and this morning, as I was walking down Main Street into the Barnabas Center, as I was about to go in, in the steps, I looked outside of my eye and there was a, a man sitting on the benches right outside one of the three C's classrooms. And, uh, you know, I glanced at it and sort of took a step or two. And uh, then um, the the Spirit brought to mind, you know, "Uh, what are you preaching on today? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, but i got to pray. You know, this is my schedule, right? This is what I do, you know, every Sunday morning, you know. And, And if I don't do this, you know, I need to do this, you know, for you, right? Praying. And he's like, what do you, what, excuse me, but how is this prayer and that not prayer? They're both prayer. At least that's what Isaiah says. That's what Amos says. That's what James says. So I struggled and then surrendered. I said, "All right." Went to the kitchen in the church, rummaged through there, found a milk carton and juice box and a couple uh, uh, like blueberry um, cakes, and went outside and met James. Talked to him for a little bit, said, Here's some uh, breakfast for you, and uh, then came back in and continued praying as James went about his day. You never know when you're praying, when you're reading the Bible, how God this week might just be, give you a little zinger, just a little thing. Just a little thing. But remember, little things, according to Jesus, or what the kingdom's about. It may just be a little bit of leaven. It may just be a little mustard seed that God plants. You don't, you don't have to build the whole tree. You don't, you don't have to make the, the, the leaven, the, the bread loaf perfect instantly. It may just be a little leaven or a little seed at the time. Don't, don't let the fact that you can't do everything stop you from doing what? One thing God's calling you to do in the moment. So it may just be that little thing this week. So be, be alert. Be attentive to that. And, and don't be, get caught in the, the trap of, of our um, you know, uh, marketing world that the little things don't matter. The little things are the very thing that the kingdom is made of. And so, when you and your little acts of mercy and love and grace, in just the relationships in your homes and the relationships in your neighborhood, at your workplace and your community, that's the way the kingdom spreads. That's worship. Worship God in that. Enjoy God in that. Encounter Him there. When whether it's IHN or Christ Community Tools for Schools, Whiz Kids. I mean, if you're out buying some. Um, uh, paper and, and pencils you know, for uh, whiz kids for tools for schools that's worship you're, 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 you're fasting um, unto the Lord as you're, you're doing that whether you're involved in tree house or crash or Sunday school mega blast FX or whatever it might be it's all worship to God glorifying to God planting seeds of the kingdom that will grow in ways maybe you've never expected that God will take off. I mean, it may be just as you're sitting in the line at, at Wendy's and you strike up a conversation with someone in line. And they may just simply share a particular ailment or need that they have. And the Lord might just place on your heart... I need to pray with this person. Now, for some of you, you'll be jumping over and you just need to pray a short prayer, okay? It's not it's not a full-blown worship service in the, in the middle of Wendy's, okay? So some of you need to hear that. Um, a few of you just need, you know, put a little rain on it. But a lot of you are like, I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone big time right now. Just to stop and have a little worship service, a little service worship. Saying, well, can I pray for you? And if they say no, okay, then... Go on, you know. Have your, um, you know, double, um, right, and uh, enjoy. If they say yes, they say, well, can I pray for you right now? Again, just put your hand on them and ask God to bring healing. Then enjoy your French fries and combo meal, whichever one you get. But just little, those are the little things. That are the kingdom. That the prophets have told us, that Jesus has shown us, that the apostles have laid before us. That they are the the part the two wheels of a bicycle that we have to keep together and keep before us. So that we are on board with what Jesus is doing and not getting in his way. Amen.